0: Well, good morning. Uh, great to be here. Uh, I'm a real estate developer, as uh, Eric said, so I'm typically not awake till about ten or eleven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but uh, made an exception this morning. Uh, just grateful to be here, and uh, I had some great instructions. Uh, uh, the guys said that we're studying Ecclesiastes. So, uh, Ryan, if you could get me that first slide, we'll we'll get going and. Uh, You'll find out pretty quick. I don't preach real real well, but uh, so I just picked out a couple verses and uh, thought we'd look at them just a minute. Uh, One in particular that I really liked, uh, uh, verse 10: Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And uh, Colossians uh, very consistent with that, right? So uh, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. So the Colossians verse, uh, any of you ever uh, gone through uh, Crown um, anybody here and uh, uh, Howard Dayton has been a mentor of mine for years. We were neighbors uh, years ago, got to know each other howard 's a walker, so he would walk in front of our house and we 'd say hi, and then we 'd get to know each other a bit and I finally met his wife Bev and his his children and got to know each other 's families in fact. Uh, Uh, Howard was just, Howard lost his wife, Bev, two years ago to cancer, and uh, had the blessing of being at his wedding again two Saturdays ago up in Charleston. Uh, The Lord gave him another love, and so uh, and he happened to marry a a woman that was one of my wife's 35-year friends, and uh, who had a... Uh, a tough event in her life a number of years ago, and she ended up being divorced. But they found each other, and Howard was married. But Howard's been a mentor uh, of of mine and my family's for years. And so that Colossians 3.23 verse is one of the verses that you memorize when you go through Crown. And one of the the great takeaways for me as a young man in my 20s going through it for the first time was You know, there's a lot of circumstances in your life that'll come along, and and frankly, something that could possibly get in the way of you really being a great example for Christ. And, you know, I don't get along with my boss or my boss's boss and something, and so maybe I don't start giving it my all. And yet there are people watching every one of us, right, every day. And, you know, there's a believer that, you know, isn't really pulling his, his weight. If you recognize, though, that you're working for Christ and that we're an example for him, and we all know that. But, you know, the Lord gives us all kinds of, of instruction in his scripture, and so that's something that for 35 years has been on my heart, so I was really blessed to see uh, Colossians nine ten, And then, uh, moreover, no man knows when, it's his, when his hour will come. We all know that, and uh, so whatever our circumstances in our families, in our work, in our personal lives, uh, every day is a blessing. We know that. We need to take uh, each of them seriously. Um, and then uh, the quiet words of the wise are for more to be heeded than the shouts of, of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, and that's what was what I wrote down there at the bottom. Was just the uh, the footnotes in my my scripture, so you can take a quick look at that. But but wisdom, you know. The Lord gives us relationships that He provides wisdom through, His scriptures that He provides wisdom through. And so that's just a great uh, gentle reminder for us there. Um, That's, uh, let's see, I've got to get this right, guys. I think 471 months this month. If this is recorded, I can't get that wrong, because if my wife hears that and he got it wrong, that wouldn't be good. But we'll be 40 years next summer, so. Um, <laughs> uh, so as any of us who are married, we know where the glue generally lies, and that there's my glue. What's the next slide, Ryan? Uh, my family. So we've got uh, Betsy, who on the left, this is Betsy and her husband, Michael. Um, Two grandsons. Michael's traveling this week, so Betsy and the two boys are with us. So if I've got bags under my eyes, you know it, it, it's been uh, fun having the little guys with us. Michael's with us. Michael, raise your hand. Uh, that's Michael and Ashley in the middle. Uh, uh, four or five years, y'all have been dating, Michael probably. But Ashley was over last night for dinner, and uh, she's awesome. Our youngest daughter Anna and her husband Houston. Anna's in Atlanta. Anna's in Atlanta. Anna works for. Uh, uh, Home Depot, and that's her husband, Houston, and uh, he's at the corporate offices there at Chick-fil-A. That's a recent picture of us uh, traveling. Um, so, uh, and that's my girlfriend there on the left. We uh, were up celebrating recently at uh, out at Reunion and then hanging out with the little guys on that same trip you just saw that picture of. Um, so, uh, you can go ahead, Ryan. Um, so, Uh, That's a little bit of of where I've hung out over the 40 years of of my career so far. Uh, Started with Ernst in Chicago, Um, uh, stayed there. I decided to, Jennifer lived in Minneapolis and so I was in Chicago and so 400 miles, I don't know if that would have worked for you guys but that wasn't working real well for me. So uh, moved up, chased my girlfriend, went up to Twin Cities, went to work for then Price Waterhouse, now PWC. And uh, stayed up there and and uh, uh, we uh, uh, we we had been dating for a couple years and so uh, I was getting a little anxious and just really wanting to see if I could close this deal well she was wanting to go to (laughs) she was wanting to go to um, and and with Campus Crusade and travel around the world and and utilize her uh, skills as a dental hygienist and so uh, I was trying to keep my hands open, and uh, you know, and so I encouraged her to go. So she went out for training. So I, so if you got this right so far, if I haven't confused you, I've moved across, you know, a couple states, going to chase this young lady, and then I'm still saying, why don't you go hang out with these crusade folks, and then maybe go overseas. And <clears throat> so I don't know about my strategy there, but, um, <laughs> but it, 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 uh, she went out there for training. They said, uh, you know. You got this guy, you know. I'm not sure you ought to be going to Africa and cleaning teeth. And, you know, why don't you go home, and figure it out with this guy, you either go this way or go that way. So she came home, probably disappointed, and uh, she ended up saying yes. And, and uh, so I moved quickly. We didn't have cell phones back then, so I figured I'll just move right now. She said yes. So I moved down here to Orlando. My family was in Florida, down in the Naples area. And if you're not 80 years old, you can't move to Naples. So I moved to uh, Orlando. And uh, so, uh, and, then, uh, but, and then I was with CNL. It wasn't even called CNL back then. Uh, Jim Seneff, the owner, it was Jim and a secretary. That's how old I am. And so it was just Jim and Maxine and he hired me and I wanted to get into real estate. As you can see, I was on the accounting side and and I don't think Jim really knew what he was doing at the time. I really didn't know what I was doing. And uh, we somehow survived all that. And so it was with them nine years. And then we've had our, our little business. What's next, Ryan? Uh, so uh, we've done some, like this is a project on Sand Lake we've done. Uh, keep going, Ryan. Um, uh, that's a project in Windermere. Uh, evidently, we like the people with the green sign. Uh, We got the project out in out west called Hamlin. It's right along the 429 just south of here Y'all may have heard of that. We bought about 600 acres uh, Excuse me back in uh, 2011 We're so smart go the next one if you would Ryan. We're so smart. We bought property didn't have any roads Uh, It wasn't zoned Uh, there wasn't a development code out there uh... and uh... And yet we thought we could make sense of it and uh... that's what it looks like uh... that's a pretty recent aerial so we got a theater a Publix, and a walmart and stuff going on but uh... so that's uh... that's that's uh... a little of what's going on in hamlin thought i'd show you a couple pictures here uh... this one is a, a market food hall that we plan to open next year uh... we're in final design right now it's going into permitting and uh... uh... should start in january open next summer and uh... Uh, it's right along the water next to the theater, uh, what was the next one Ryan, was that another picture of the, yeah, so so that'll be looking up towards the theater, there's the lake right here, should be a lot of fun, we're trying to find, you know, develop a place that'll be a lot of fun for families just to come out and, and uh, enjoy the evening, the afternoon or whatever it might be, and uh, so that's a little sneak peek at that one. Um, so. Uh, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, Matthew. So um, I heard, anybody heard of uh, Randy Elkhorn, uh, writer on the West Coast? Uh, He wrote a small book called Heaven, way over my pay grade. You know, it's got to be at least 500 pages, I think. But uh, he wrote a book, Randy wrote a book called The Treasure Principle that some of you may have read. That's way more to my liking. It's about that thick. And uh, it talks about uh, laying up treasure. And so, you know, he, I think he uses an example, something like, you know, if you really want to understand and be interested in Walmart Corporation, well, if you go out and buy Walmart stock, and you, st- you know, it's interesting how almost every day you could tell somebody what the, wa- the value of Walmart stock is, right? Or Microsoft or fill in the blank. And uh, he said, but the same thing's true uh, in your spiritual life. You know, I was one of the people that for years would would say something like, you know, the Lord really hadn't given me a heart for the poor. And, you know, I really enjoy supporting our ministries and activity at our church. Uh, I love the first academy. I served on its board for about 15 years. Just They they kicked me off at the end of June uh, just for the benefit of the school, I'm sure. So they said, you've been chair too long, you better step down. And so I did. But... uh, uh, but you know, but I, it was it was probably only five or six years ago that I really started investing in some of our efforts in the community, and I'll talk a little bit about that. But it's interesting how the Lord has really uh, grown Jennifer's and my heart towards others and who are you know way less fortunate than any of us, right, guys? And so you know, as far as laying up treasure and where your heart is, you know where your treasure is, your your heart will follow. And so for if there's any portion of your life that you believe that, you know, I'm not really sure why, like that Scott Boyd guy, you know, he mentioned he really wasn't doing some investing in certain areas, and then he started investing in an area down by the stadium downtown and with some housing down there for families or the charter school down there for the kids. It's a Title I school, those kind of things. And it's interesting how certainly Uh, the Lord's helping to change our heart. Uh, So uh, these are some of the things that have been important in our family. I'll start uh, with Howard's uh, ministry, Crown, now called Compass. And, uh, you know, went went through Crown in my late 20s, was blessed that Howard was our facilitator. And then one of your recent speakers, uh, Steve Scrimshire, he took Scrimpcher and me and said, well, neither of you could probably do this, so why don't you do it together and maybe you won't blow it too badly. And so, you know, Scrimpcher and I led a group. And then he and Deborah went on to lead some groups, and Jennifer and I went on to lead some groups. Uh, we had a kind of a legacy group in our fam in our home uh, one year, and Gary was part of that group. He and Vivian were part of that group. And, and uh, so Compass was... A real foundation for our family as far as understanding, you know, I had no idea that the Lord had over 2,000 verses in the scriptures on finances. You know, why would that be? Because he knew we'd mess it up so bad, right? <laughs> and so, you know, we talk about, you know, treasure in your heart. Well, a lot of us treasure our business. We treasure our stock accounts or our bank accounts or all the things that seem to be so attractive because most of us don't really understand uh, where our eternity really is gonna be and how do we really lay up treasure. And so, and then that, that little insignia up on the top right, which I, I wasn't on their marketing team, but that's for generous giving, that top right, okay? So that's a bunch of Gs, generous and giving. And so they're a real strange group. They, uh, uh, they're based here. Uh, down right near Lake Eola, and uh, they have this big conference every year, every April. They usually go East Coast one year, West Coast, you know, next year. And, and uh, this last April, uh, we were hanging out in Atlanta, and uh, it's like four or five hundred people that get together and they talk about being generous. And the thing about generous giving is they never ask for anything. Uh, there's a foundation that sponsors about 80% of their budget, gives them about $3 million of operating capital a year to run their organization. They've got people, personnel all over the country. And I think their board of directors covers the other 20% or so. But but it's really just believers getting together and, and just hearing from, you know, you have your paid speakers, you know, your Andy Stanleys and your Tim Kellers and blah, blah, blah coming in. And so you get some great teaching uh, but then you have, uh, you know, uh, a Gary and Vivian uh, that might show up, and, and, and they might come up as a couple, and just as a lay couple, or like a Jennifer and Scott might come up and just say, well, here's what we're doing in our giving journey. And, you know, we've kind of had these stumbling blocks along the way, but here's where we are, and we're all work in progress. But, uh, you, know, you know, here's, here's and just, you know, just, and so I go to my first generous giving conference, uh, and it was right here in Orlando, 15 years ago. Uh, most of you heard of Jim Henry here in town? So so Jim calls me one day and says, Hey, Scott, I got this. There's this conference, and I put a table together and just wonder if you'd join me. And, you know, and it was like two months out. So I couldn't say, Hey, Jim, you know, I'm getting a haircut that day, and, you know, I just I can't do that. You know, I can't work that around my schedule because, you know, it's two months out. That's not enough time. And so, you know, I said, Well, what in the world's generous... And I think what Jim said would... I don't know. I've never been either, and uh, but I've you know I've who's gonna be the speaker? This gonna be the speaker? Well, the Lord having a sense of humor of the say five lay testimonies during the weekend. It's about a 48-hour event. uh, Two of the lay testimonies were given by real estate developers, so evidently it wasn't a high standard. (laughs) And and so the first guy. Was you know giving his testimony and had a second marriage and they, but they had both they had now been married about 25 years and you know I'm I'm 40 something at the time and and I could swear he said that he and his wife gave 50 percent of their income away and so I probably turned to my wife and said you know something like he said 15 right <laughs> and and you know. And if, if I did that, she probably said, no, dummy. And said, 50. And I've been trying to tell you, Scott, we need to up our game. And, and then, unfortunately for me, the next day, the second real estate developer really put me in, in trouble because he was given 70% of his income away. And so I probably thought we ought to just stand up and walk out at that point in time because <laughs> who are these strange people? And so Generous Giving was a, has been a great thing and and y'all a lot smarter than me i i have to go back like every other year because i'm 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 probably the only one but i i tend to backslide you know if you don't tell me every once in a while i'll start forgetting what you said and 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 so anyway so we go to generous giving uh you know pretty much every other year and what we try to do is we'll take another couple or two with us we'll sponsor them and take them because it's not for the faint of heart it's like you know almost two thousand dollars for the weekend and so we 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 pay to have other couples, you know, come and be exposed, because I don't want to be the only one hearing about giving away 50% of your income, <laughs> I want company, you know, and so, and, and there's other, there's, so there's a National Christian Foundation, I'll talk about them in a minute, it's an organization out of, it, out of Atlanta, we happen to have an affiliate here, uh, that I serve on their board, and, and, uh, it's for it's for believers that want to go the extra mile, and I'll tell you about that. First Academy's up there, served there for a long time, and then these last couple three. Why don't you go ahead, Ryan? So, Purpose Built Communities uh, is a group out of Atlanta, and uh, Tom Cousins, another real estate developer. Uh, was looking for some things to do in Atlanta and he kept giving away, you know, $25,000 here, or $50,000 there, or $100,000 here, or $10,000 there, or a quarter million dollars here. And he wasn't seeing Atlanta change at all. Okay. And he was frustrated because he would, he would, you know, give to his church certainly, but he was trying to help change his community. So anyway, he, he got exposed to this area uh, east of downtown called Little Hanoi and, uh, and uh, you know, a lot of problems going on. Took a tour of the area. They were just closing this school up there called Drew Elementary. It was the 69th best elementary school out of 69 in the Atlanta public school system. And so they're going to close it. And Tom says, "Well, what are you going to do with the kids?" And he said, "Well, we're going to bust them." And he said, you can't bust the kids, that's not that's proven. That's that's not going to work." And he says, "Well, you need to chart. You need to you need to start a charter school here." And they, they probably patted him on the back and said, "Hey, Tommy, you know." We don't even allow charter schools in the state of Georgia. You know, nice idea, but you're in real estate. Why don't you go back and play real estate? And, and so Tom, being a, uh, not a belligerent guy, but he thought he knew the right answer. So he, he helped champion the whole charter schools are allowed in Georgia. Within three years, they start to rename the school the same name, the Drew, but it was a charter school. So they, they opened Drew Charter School in the area that was the 69th best you know, elementary school in the Atlanta public school system. By the time we met them about seven, six, seven years ago, uh, Drew Charter was the number three, excuse me, number three elementary school in all of Atlanta. Not the number three elementary school in the low-income area, the number three school period. They then had a middle school. They had the number one middle school in all of Atlanta. And they we're about to open up a high school. They now have a high school. They have about 2,000 students in this not-so-small charter school. and But the thing that we really liked here about what they did um, in Atlanta was it wasn't just, hey, we need to help housing because, you know, if we really just help fix housing, you know, then the community will be in better shape. And it wasn't just if you help education or if it wasn't just if you help, uh, health and wellness or if it wouldn't be if you just helped jobs create jobs you really have to get figure out all four legs of that stool okay you can't just do one you can't just do two and so we probably should have just packed our bags and gone home right and so but anyway we ended up signing an affiliate an affiliate agreement uh, with um, uh, the Eastlake folks we call our little effort here Lift Orlando I Served there as well. Uh, be, see, because I was the chair of the first academy, they think I know something about education. And so, but anyway, we've developed uh, what we believe is a potentially a, a real good education pipeline and strategy for that whole feeder area in the downtown area. Uh, and so. If you go to the next one, Ryan, for me. So, this is uh, the little charter school that we help called Legends Academy. Uh, it's a, uh, go ahead, Ryan. Um, it's in its fifth year. Uh, uh, we're about 400 students. We're capped at 420 students. Uh, started at a couple hundred. Uh, I should have put a slide on here that showed how the students are doing, because it really doesn't matter how many we have, it's how is Dr. Jennifer Porter-Smith, who is our leader, how is she really doing? Our first-year guys, 17% of our students were reading or doing math at grade level. When, When you measure all of the students in Orange County, so less than one in five of our students were at grade level, ouch, right? No. Early education stuff, getting kids ready to start. When I when I saw the first tests, and I said, "Well, how can a first grader be two grades below? See if you start at kindergarten. I mean, I mean, they just there were no books in their homes. They just, I mean, it was there's way to test all that that's above my pay grade. And uh, as that slide showed, uh, it's nearly 100% of our students are, you know, it's free and reduced, you know, lunch because they're at or below the poverty line. You know, what's interesting, uh, you know, there's so much lack of education out there just about issues, because I can be critical of, well, that's my nature, I would be critical about anything, just ask anybody that works at Boyd-Devoma, um, but when you have 60 to 70 percent student turnover in most of the schools in that area, it doesn't matter whether it's Orange Center Elementary or Washington Shores Elementary, if every August two-thirds of your students our faces you didn't see last August. What's that continuity like? How would you like to be a teacher there? That would seem to be so self defeat That'd be, you know, that's a big hill to climb. So, in over the four years that we've been in existence, Dr. Smith has reduced that to about 35 percent. And you say, well, that's great, but if you looked at Windermere Elementary or something, it might be. 10%, right? And that's because people are moving in and moving out, probably. And so, so that's a big struggle. But uh, she has moved in four years. Uh, we are this year, our goal is, I'll uh, probably not get this right, and it's probably not all really important to you, but uh, it's certainly important to us. Uh, 55% of our kids were at grade level on math. Our goal this year, this school year, is to be at 68%. The county-wide average is 65%. And in reading, similar. We're a little farther behind in reading because the reading's so slow and the comprehension and all of that. But anyway, these kids, as we all know, all kids can learn. They just have to have the right environment. And they have to have the right dedication around them. And so I'm speaking too much about education. We can move on. So NCF um, uh, affiliates all over the country. Uh, We have an affiliate here in Orlando. Our givers gave to, and and just real briefly, brief commercial for NCF. So uh, it's not a foundation where you say, hey, we're going to build a church in West Orange County. Why don't you all join uh, and give to our church in West Orange County? It's not that at all. It's what they call donor-advised funds. And what donor-advised funds are, if there are 100 of us in the room and we all had an account at NCF, the donor, you or me, we decide, we, not the foundation, we decide where those funds go go-to okay and so why NCF It just makes giving a lot easier I mean we would give to 30 35 charities a year and you know I might have to do 25 or 35 tax returns a year just to get to my 1040 uh, my but that was the easy lifting my wife had to do the charitable giving and you know, that was just cumbersome so to be able to just make put our you know put dollars into NCF and then frankly we can go online and give and it's easy that way the BHAG, though, for NCF is they allow believers to give what's called non-liquid gifts, okay? So if you own a business, and whether you own 25 of your, 25% of your company or 100% of your company, you can gift stock in your company to NCF to your donor-advised fund. And so not 100% of your income goes to your 1040 anymore, 90% would if you gave 10% of your company to NCF. The other 10% would go to NCF. So it reduces your income and it starts putting money into this giving fund and guess what? You generally start to give more. So guys like me who own real estate you know, we've gifted out parcels on projects. There's a project in Windermere that one of those publics you saw and we were down to the short strokes. We had a couple of out pads left and and we just gave them to NCF. And then when they sold, we didn't get the cash because we had give, given those away, but, but four or five hundred thousand went to NCF that we could start giving to legends or to the First Academy or to First Baptist. So th- the point is, there are ways to really, if you're interested in increasing your giving, because I'll show you in a minute a chart. Look at the next one, Ryan. I'm not sure if it's the next one or not. The next one was our staff there at NCF. Um, and uh, last year, our givers gifted out $26 million. Those are givers in Central Florida. OK? And I would venture to say, if you had all five, 600 of our families here, if you would ask them, are you giving, away, are you giving more money today than you were three years ago or five years ago, most of them would say, absolutely. It's so much easier. I'm doing non-liquid gifts. We'll probably do 25 non-liquid gifts this year with with uh, believers around the city. Uh, the next one, Ryan. So here's here's the problem for us, and and this is uh, this is something that um, will make some sense to you. The IRS tells us when they look at all these state tax returns around the country, and and uh, that about 10% of our assets are liquid. Okay, so. Um, so we want to be generous and we want to give to a lot of folks. There are a lot of great things out there and we want to be generous, but, you know, we got that little piece of pie that we're trying to do all our giving out of. So that's rough, but if you got these guys like Boyd around who have these other assets or, or have a manufacturing company or a citrus company or whatever kind of company that you have, um, we have givers that have given art. We have a guy in Central Florida that collected art for years. He's an awesome guy. He and his wife just decided, he and Beth decided, ah, we don't need this stuff. So they decided to gift those pieces of art to NCF. They took them to Sotheby's or somewhere within the month, 300 some thousand dollars into their giving account. They got a deduction for doing that. Um, We have a guy that gave a helicopter. We have families that have given, you know, have a good friend that gave millions of dollars of stock last year. And he didn't write a check last year because they still own the company, but because he signed some documents, he got like a $3 million deduction that he couldn't use all of that last year on his return, but it carries over for 10 years. So last year and for the next nine following years, he can carry it forward. And uh, so he's being, you're being efficient because we're what? We're stewards. None of us really own anything. Really, it's all gods. And so if we really believe that, we need to be thinking about stuff like this. And those of us who know a few things about, say, an NCF, we all think everybody knows about NCF and, and knows what tools it has. That's yeah, one of the biggest secrets out there. But you've been able to do... What our family and dozens of families do around Central Florida, you've been able to do that for 50 years in, the, in this country. It's not, well, you know, Trump signed something in December of 2017, and now you can do such and such. I don't think so. You've been able to do this for decades. And so um, what's the next one, Ryan? So uh, this is one of my favorite verses. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that, so that, they can take hold of the life that is truly life. So before you go to the next slide, you know, that that first line, you know, most of us might think, you know, command those who are rich in this present world. So if I were to say, how many here are rich? Nobody thinks they're rich. Right? See, I'm not rich, but you know, Ryan's rich. And Ryan would say, well, no, 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 I'm not rich. You know, Gary's rich. And so uh, but there's a problem with that. What's the next one, Ryan? So Command who are rich in this present world. So, so what's the left side? If you make $32,000 a year, <coughs> you'd be in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. Anybody make more than $32,400? Uh-oh, uh-oh. Yeah, but what if you make $80,000 a year? The top one-tenth of 1% of wage earners in the world, really? Yeah, you know, I make eighty thousand dollars. I don't feel rich. That's because we bought into so many lies of the enemy. Of well, you know, Matt has this, so I deserve that too. And so, and we all know that we do that. And uh, but it's uh, that's a sobering chart for all of us, isn't it? What's the world median income? $9,700. So if we can't be generous in the U.S., now let's let, let's let Europe be generous. Let's let, let's let Asia, you know, there are a lot of rich Asians, right? Let's let them handle a few things. You know, guys. So that's, that's sobering for every one of us. What's next, Ryan? That's First Academy. Uh, what's next? Uh, yeah, I guess we were hanging out one day or something. that Took a picture of us. What's next, Ryan? Um, okay, this is a problem. I'm a I'm a numbers guy. I'm a charts guy. I'm I'm a recovering CPA, you know, and uh, so that's a little that's a little advertisement for NCF. You know, there's there's a way to 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 do do better. But. You know, it it doesn't seem like we can start getting a little bit more generous until we start making a half million dollars a year, evidently. Okay? This is IRS data. It's about five years old. It hasn't changed, though, in the last 30 or 40 years, unfortunately. So, you know, you might say, well, what about 2018, though? It's probably within a tenth or two of any of these numbers. And so uh, we don't don't start this U-curve. By picking up two tenths of one percent till you get to a half million dollars of income, so, um, so I ask a lousy question here: If we give God two to seven percent of our income, are we really all in? Can we really say we love the Lord? Can we really are we really a hundred percent committed to Him? Um, you know, and I, I get it. Okay, see, when I came out of school a couple years ago, I made fifteen thousand three hundred dollars working for Ernst. Okay. So ten percent of that's fifteen hundred and thirty dollars. Well, I can give fifteen hundred and thirty dollars. Okay. Yeah, but what happens when Scott starts making one hundred and fifty-three thousand dollars? Fifteen thousand, Lord, that's, that's that's a fair amount of money, Lord. You start negotiating maybe with the Lord, right? What if I made a million bucks? Oh, Lord. You. you, you You know, I start stuttering. You you, you don't want me to give $100,000, right? I mean, really? See, because most of us can quote chapter and verse. The Lord owns it all. But it's really, if we we are all tithing, okay, if we all buck the trend, because I know you guys are all generous than we are, because you're not doing that, right? You know, you're, you're all at least tithers, and uh, uh, but you know, hundred thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, a million dollars is a hundred. When really it ought to be the opposite: the more money you make, the more generous you really ought to be able to be. But if, and that's all over two million dollars. But let's just say that chart: nobody made more than two million dollars. So five percent of that—that's a million dollars, or that's hundred thousand dollars. You know, that's a, that's a lot of money, Lord. Isn't that silly? But that's what the, I, uh, the, I'm sorry, those aren't my numbers. We all like to blame the IRS. Let's blame the IRS for these numbers. So think on that. Don't think too long. Be sure you don't tell your wife about this. Let's just keep it here in the room. What's next, Ryan? So <clears throat> this, would a, this would be a slide I would use if I'm sitting down with a potential NCF giver uh, we have a great staff. Uh, the Senna family I mentioned that owns CNL. Jim's son, Tim, runs our uh, NCF office, got a great staff. So the more income you make, and probably not everybody in this room makes over a billion dollars or has a billion dollars of net worth, but you know, if you take the middle one, $10 million, I'm typically talking to people in Central Florida that, that have a net worth of $10 million or above. When you look at that chart, Look at that green stuff. That's like that little piece of pie. So it really doesn't matter what your worth is. There ain't much of the green stuff around. The higher your net worth, if you're 100000 or above net worth or a $1 million or above or $10 million, you can see that, it, unfortunately, it gets smaller and smaller. But what happens? It's all this non-liquid stuff. And that's the BHAG, again, for NCF. Anybody have anybody that wants to talk to NCF, I'm glad to get you with Tim, or I'd be glad to go to breakfast or lunch with you. Uh, they're just a great opportunity. The whole point is, it's not about NCF. And it's really about our Central Florida, I'm, I'm biased, Central Florida. It's all about our NCF. It's all about our families here in Central Florida, and the joy that the Lord talks about about being open handed and being generous. If you're, if you're really given 2 to 5% right now, let's maybe ratchet it up a little bit. You don't have to go from 2 to 20, okay? But see, for somebody that's as young as I'm not, 20%'s probably not generous enough. 30%'s probably not generous enough, okay? We need to challenge each other. Until I heard some dude saying he was giving away 50%, I just, it kind of rocked my world until the next day. And it got worser. And so, so, who would say they're building bigger barns? None of us, right? So, and he told him this parable the ground of a certain rich man. I'm sure none of you have ever read these verses in Luke. The ground of a rich man was produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place for my crops. See, it was an agricultural world back then, so he used something that everybody could relate to. And, and so, see, none of us would say we're building bigger barns. See, most of us never, probably never had a barn. Then he said, this is what I'll do. Uh-oh, um, I will build, <laughs> I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store all my grains and goods. And I'll say to myself, I'll eat, drink, and be, be merry, or whatever the rest of that says there. <laughs> so, but the next slide, Ryan, talks about those are our barns today. And what did the Lord say? You fool. Why did he say you fool? Because, as the last line says there, he was not rich toward God. So if we go back a couple slides, which we don't need to run, and we're given between 2 and 7%, can we really say we're being rich toward God? Now, I'm not here to tell you that you're all going to be wiped out today like this dude was, but I don't think that was an exaggeration. I mean, we're blessed. You have to ask yourself why you're blessed. Really, Why? I mean, we all could have been born in Africa. We all could be really part of that $9,700 meeting income. We could have been born blind. We could have, you know, but, but most of us in this room are doing okay. Some of us are doing very well. And we developers are either broke or we're doing okay, and right now we're doing okay. But, but the point is we need to be rich toward God, and... I need to wrap it up. So we're not gonna watch this video, but even the point of this video, because it's five minutes long, uh, even Bill and Melinda Gates, that was a little quote from them, probably the most fulfilling thing they've ever done in their life is giving their wealth away. Now they may be believers, I don't know if they are they aren't, but the world is leading by example about the giving pledge that they talk about why isn't the believing community known for giving and giving pledges? And so I've got buddies that I talk to about these things. And uh, this is a cool article. We don't have time to look at it. The bottom line, though, is here's one of the reasons why I think we're not nearly as generous as as we could be. Uh, This is about um, BBs and shotguns, and he's a hunter, and he talks about himself and his son, and he's got a BB gun, and he's got a farm, and... He'll take a BB gun and, and pop the geese. He doesn't like geese on his, on, his, on his property. His son doesn't own a BB gun, he owns a shotgun. And he, he takes care, his son takes care of things differently with his shotgun, and that goose sitting not around after that, right? So he says the same thing about us, though. Encourage you to think about a cause you're passionate about as a 12-gauge shotgun casing. Find a bunch of friends who care about the same cause and pack yourselves together and take, take an issue and just knock it out. Don't use a BB gun. We need to quit acting in silos. Each of our church... You know, how many, you know how many non-profits we have in central Florida? 4,000. And it's not that there's not 4,000 good causes. A lot of those do the same thing, right? But see, we churches, we don't work together. We kind of work in silos. We, we kind of work as we do with BB guns. We need to take out a shotgun with issues in Central Florida. In this case, how about West Orange County? And what are the issues that we can get behind and go after and knock them out? Okay? Not just, hey, let's push that problem to East Central Florida. That's the BB gun approach, right? And then I'm wrapping up. Sorry. So those are just a couple books I love. As far as issues and really getting into something, that's, that's the primary thing I hear of when I talk to, to uh, families is, well, I don't want to I don't wanna more than tithe in my church, see, because if I tie if, if I did more than that, then too much of the budget in my small church would be dependent on me. And what I want to tell them is that's a crutch, that's of the enemy. Okay, but see, I'm a little bit nicer than that, not not much, but so but gospel patrons is about uh, businessmen that get behind ministry people that have changed the world. It's all of three stories, it's my kind of book. William Tyndale translated the, the Gospels into English in London. He was martyred for it. He was hung. He was burned at the stake. What you don't, but people have heard of Tyndale because he gave us the scriptures. Nobody's heard of Humphrey Monmouth, who was the business dude behind him, who was a cloth merchant in London, who stowed Tyndale up while he did all the translations and all that, put in jail for it. So There's not much I do with, with charter schools or Christian schools, or any of the stuff that we do, where I can be put in jail for. Monmouth was put in jail, and the guy that gave us the English scriptures, which ultimately became the King James version of our scriptures, was killed for it. So we're probably not going to be put in jail, and we're probably not going to be killed for something. And so that's a great book. John's a great guy. He'll be in town next month for something else. Here's one of our problems. If Rockefeller can say, how much is enough? Just a little bit more. Are you kidding me? Uh, The next one, Ryan, I promise I'm wrapping it up. So something to think about. Jennifer and I have gotten to the point where um, we're past our finish line. Um, You can't be approaching your finish line or be past your finish line if you don't think about setting a finish line. And so um, I encourage you to think about that. And it's not necessarily a finish line meaning, oh, yeah, next, next year I'm gonna retire. It's, I'm talking about financially. Uh, ask my wife, I like to work. And if she were standing there, she'd go, yeah. And, and so I'm not talking about, hey, a finish line, let's stop and let's go pick up seashells on the seashore. I'm talking about, again, the why you've been blessed. Why have you been blessed financially? It doesn't matter whether you make 68000 or 680000 Evidently, if we make more than $32,000, we're pretty blessed. Yeah, yeah, Boyd, but yeah, you know, I don't know about that. See, cost of living over here. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. But, you know, we get raises and we get bonuses, and we tend not to save or give those. We tend to, yeah, I think I really need a new car. Don't you? Do you guys think I need a new car? And so we all do that. Okay. And so coming back to you know our scriptures here, we don't know how long we have, right? You know, I heard heard what was said at that Iron Man thing in September and you know, I'm going to I'm going to get around. We'll we'll start doing that next year or the following year. You know, if I just get that next promotion, I'm going to start being generous. You know, think about how many hours we have. We don't know. Whatever you find to do, do it with all your might. And I know you're going to be studying these scriptures uh, the rest of the month. I just picked out a couple of them. You know, wisdom, big deal, big deal. And where do we get our source of wisdom? Scriptures. Thanks, guys. Sorry I ran long.